Okay. Okay. Guys, we got to be honest here. You all know by now that rent ready is an awesome property management software that Corey and I used to elevate our business on multiple levels between being landlords and managing our tenants. But this isn't just an old podcast ad about how you can manage all your units, maintenance, screening, leases, tenants, and using rent ready's mobile app. This podcast ad is a secret. That's because this month, Rent Ready is releasing a game-changing feature that will save you a whole lot of time and headache when it comes to crunching numbers on your rentals. While we can't share it just yet, make sure you stay tuned to our show, The Weekly Juice, for the surprise reveal. Because we have it on good authority that Rent Ready will be letting our listeners know once this top secret feature is ready to go. In the meantime, if you're looking to get started using Rent Ready's powerhouse of the platform and get signed up, saving 50% off any Rent Ready plan, you'll just have to use the code JUICEPOD. That's J-U-I-C-E. POD on their website. That's 50% off any rent ready plan when you sign up using our code JUICEPOD at rentready.com. Go to R E N T R E D I.com and use code JUICEPOD, J U I C E P O D, for 50% off any rent ready plan. If this is your first time here, welcome. During our shows, we interview successful entrepreneurs and investors to spread knowledge, advice, and actionable tactics to help others in the pursuit of financial freedom. We discuss successes, failures, systems, motivations, experiences, and key lessons learned along the way in the hopes that these stories help you along your journey. Tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice. If you've been here before and like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, share with friends, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes an extremely long way for us. It's simple. Just click on your podcast app, type in our podcast name, The Weekly Juice, click on the reviews, and let us know what you think. The more ratings we get, the more eyes we'll get in our show, and in turn, we'll be able to provide you all with high-quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram, at Weekly Juice Pod, for daily content and personal finance tips to assist in your journey towards financial freedom. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, Ryan and Corey here with another episode for you. Today we have on special guest, Savannah Arroyo, also known as the Net Worth Nurse on social media. Savannah is a full-time registered nurse in Los Angeles, California. Well, she was. She just left her WT. Yeah, literally like as we were recording, or as we this episode came out, she yep. said she just left. A full-time real estate investor. Um, and she now helps, you know, essentially busy full-time employees and W-2 employees um, invest in real estate. And she specializes in syndication. Yeah. Specifically in the healthcare field. So she takes, she like works with a lot of nurses and uh, doctors that obviously make a lot of money. They don't know what to do with their money, right? They make all this money. Should they put it in a savings account? Should they put it in a retirement account? Savannah's saying, no, jump into her syndication deals and make 10% 10% return uh, every month on, on cash flow and make all this equity. So Savannah's story is really, really awesome. I mean, she's built a portfolio. I think she said it was around 60 units now, like a couple, there's like three or four apartment complexes in a year and a half. So she bought two single family homes and then she bought all these um, apartment complexes with syndication, other people's money. It's really powerful stuff. I'm telling you, if you want to get into starting in real estate investing, you make a decent amount of money, follow Savannah's uh, story. It's it's really good stuff. It's really good. And, and one thing I want to touch on, she is a mom with her hands full at home and yeah. she was able she to essentially work two full-time jobs. She had the she was working as the nurse and then also investing in real estate for a year and a half. Now she was able to leave her job, go full-time investing, still has, now she has more time to spend at home with her kids and raising them. And she, she likes being a nurse. So she said that she still does it as like a 
I don't know if it's like a part-time basis or like a per hour basis, but she's still, she's like, Oh, I can be the nurse that I want to be whenever I want. I can go back. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so really a great episode to jump into. So, yep. Absolutely. Awesome episode. Let's bring Savannah in. Savannah, welcome officially to the weekly juice podcast. Corey and I are thrilled to have you here. We've been following your journey on Instagram for a while now. Love what you're doing. You've built a pretty incredible portfolio and, and spreading the word to a lot of different people that need it. So, um, we'd love, that's kind of why we brought you on the show. We want you to, to spread the message here and, and drop some knowledge on our, our listeners. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, I'm super stoked to be here. Cool. So if you could just walk us through who you are, where you're from, and then kind of the inception of why you chose real estate as your like primary investing strategy and, and uh, kind of walk us through your portfolio. Yeah, definitely. So I, I really knew right out of high school, I wanted to go into nursing. I was very passionate about that career and the profession. And so straight out of high school, I went to Sacramento state university up in Northern California, went, um, there, got my bachelor's degree, graduated, worked in a couple of different specialties in a couple of different hospitals. And I was naturally drawn towards leadership positions. I was just taking on different process improvement projects and initiatives in hospitals I was working at. And so really shortly after I went back to school and I got my master's degree in nursing leadership and administration. And it was when I was on maternity leave at the beginning of 2020 with my second daughter and just thinking about this was the last break I was going to get from work until I was 65, right. Until I retired. And that was just such a discouraging feeling. I already didn't want to go back to work. Also my husband and I growing our family and now having two kids, we were wondering with our full-time jobs, like really what kind of flexibility and time freedom that we would have. And we really wanted to be super involved in our daughter's lives. And so we were at a point where we were like, okay, we need to do something where we can get more control over our investments and start creating a diff- different income streams, passive income. We wanted to learn all about it. And so up until this point, we had been primarily investing only in our retirement accounts through our 401ks and IRAs. And we were really diligent about that. Since we started working, we were putting 15 to 20% of our income towards it. So a big chunk. And people were really congratulating us on that. It was like a big deal. Like we were going to be set. We were making the right financial decisions. And so hearing that it just felt so discouraging to think like, okay, but we can't touch that until we're 60. Like what, you know, what is that really doing for the financial freedom in our lives? Like nothing really. And so, um, started learning about real estate. Um, it's one of the best strategies out there to create income. And so we, um, took out a second mortgage on our home, bought two investment properties, um, realized from there we wanted to keep growing and scaling. And so we switched into multifamily syndications and that's currently what we're operating right now. Awesome. We'll get into your portfolio in a, in a couple minutes too, because I want to talk to you about scaling that and growing it. But like, was there some sort of light bulb moment that went off for you? Because you clearly were money savvy, like 15 to 20% you're into your 401ks or your retirements a lot as you were saying, people were congratulating you, but like, was there a light bulb moment that went off that was like, Oh, this is just, this is going to be great when I am less mobile or my kids are grown or, or like just not the right time for you. Cause that's how we approach it. What happened that made you say like, okay, real estate is the answer for me to get there much faster. 
Yeah, definitely. It was really working with a financial savvy lender because we were at a point in our lives where we just had our second daughter and we were like, okay, maybe we should like buy a bigger home. Like we were in a position where we could do that. And I talked, I was talking to my lender and he was like, Hey, do you know, you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of equity in your home? And I'm like, no, you know, what is that? What can you do with it? And he was like, well, you're, you're mentioning real getting into real estate investing. You can pull that out and go buy investment properties with it. And that was like, a light bulb moment. Like I had no idea you could do that. I, when I even shared that information, and this is like a huge lesson that I learned early on in my investing career is when you start sharing information about like leveraging debt and these strategies, like people in your life who have never done that or or who are not financially savvy, they will think that's risky. They will, you know, advise you against pulling out a second mortgage on your home. They'll say, you know, no way you're pulling from your retirement to invest in real estate. That doesn't sound smart. You know, big Dave Ramsey fans who are super against debt. And so it, it made us realize, okay, we need, we're, we're talking to the wrong people. And so then we started connecting with like other people through meetups and networking and, um, just like, how, how are other people leveraging debt and creating this financial wealth? And then we realized like, it's not a secret. Like this, this is how all the big players are doing it. They're leveraging debt in all different ways of their life. And it's not as risky as some people think. And when you start learning about that and reframe your thinking, it, it makes a big change. It's a big aha. Savannah, it's so funny. It, we hear from people well, or just like family members. And I, I love my family. It's not even really my family, but just like people's family members who are like, oh, that's risky or oh, you shouldn't do that. And then you have to take a step back and think like, is my family member the person that I want to eventually be? Like, is that who I'm striving to be? Because if it's not, then why am I listening to you in the first place? And that's kind of the situation that you found yourself in. Like, who's telling you the advice are the people that are telling you the advice, people that you want to be, if they're not go find new people to get advice from. So it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Um, I think it's, it's a pretty awesome story. Uh, I guess the next question is, is like, once you decided that you were going to go purchase this, these two rental properties with the equity in your home, I know that you live in California. Did you live in California at the time? And if, whatever the answer to that is like, where did you purchase these rental properties? Cause purchasing two is kind of a, a scaling effect that you're doing there. Did you purchase it around where you lived? How did you decide kind of where to go and, and where to, where was the best place for your money? Yeah, definitely. So we took out that equity. So we had this chunk of capital and we were like, okay, how can we snowball this? What, what can we do to make the most out of this fixed amount of capital? Because we didn't really have a lot of other capital in our lives. Uh, We didn't have a stash of money saved up. And so we were like, okay, how do we make this stretch? And so we started learning about the Burr method, which if anyone knows about that, you know, you're buying a property really below market value, something that kind of needs a full renovation. You're buying it at a very good price you're renovating it to really push all this equity into the deal. Then you're renting it out. So getting a renter in there who's paying you monthly income, and then you're refinancing it to essentially pull out all the capital that you invested in the deal, because now you've pushed equity into it. And then at that point, you can go out and buy another one and buy another one. And that's kind of a way to snowball. So for us, we live in Los Angeles, California. The price point to entry is very, very high. So we were looking at different markets. We were looking in Atlanta, Georgia. So immediately we started digesting and consuming all sorts of education and material about investing out of state. We were watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, reading books, um, talking to people who have done it. Listening to podcasts was key. That that was huge for us. And so um, we ended up buying the 
turnkey properties in Atlanta, because we realized as we were looking at these really full rehab properties, we were like, okay, we don't want to oversee a complete renovation across the country for our first real estate deal. Our first entry, we didn't have any construction background. Like definitely there's people out there that are doing it for sure. I think if we would have tried, we, we could have made it happen. But for us, like I had a brand new baby. It was like, okay, this isn't, this is a little bit too risky for us. And so we ended up going with turnkey townhomes over there. But then after we did that, all our capital was locked into it. And we're like, okay, what's next? How, how can we get the next deal done? Very cool. And to, you know, you mentioned that you're having a kid, but it's not like you're just like raising the kid. You're a nurse, which I don't know any nurses that don't work a ton of hours. Like I, I don't know any. So how did you balance that? Cause that that's your whole thing. The net worth nurse. How did you balance that with trying to go and build this portfolio? And then we'll kind of get into how big your portfolio is now and maybe work backwards, but talk about balance a little bit here. Yeah. So this was at the height of COVID. This was March, 2020, and I'm in administration and leadership within the healthcare system. So it was insane. Like we were getting stuff sent to us on a, almost like when it first rolled out, like an hourly basis of like, all right, this is what we're doing. We're closing down, implement masks. People need to do this. Like at the very beginning when it was panic and no one knew what they were doing, it was a very heavy process at work. And so, yeah, it was very time consuming, but at the same point, like I was so motivated by it, like learning about real estate really lit a fire in me. And my husband and I, when we decided we were going to start investing in real estate, we sat down and we created a five-year goal. And we were like, Hey, in five years, we want to wake up. Where are we waking up? What are we doing? Who are we talking to? What projects are we working on? How much real estate do we own? How much money is that real estate bringing in on a monthly basis? And we got really specific on those. And and it was fun. You know, you dream about it. You're like creating this perfect vision of your life. And we made it super fun and got super detailed about it and laid out where we want to be in five years and then kind of backtracked three years, one year. And when you do that, it lays out a blueprint of what steps you need to be taking to get there. And so for us, we were so set on this goal that it was like, all right, well, I know on a monthly basis, I need to be evaluating this many deals and talking to this many investors and contacting this many brokers. Like we knew what we had to to do to get to our goal. So it was really just sacrificing Netflix and other activities, which, you know, the whole world was shut down at this time. So we were home anyways, but it was like our daughters would go to bed and we weren't like, you know, uh, messing around. Like we were working on our real estate business and we were grinding it out. And for us, like it was learning mode. Like we were consuming as much as we could. We were practicing as much as we could. And, um, it, we really had a lot of fun with it, but it was our really strong why that kept us going through it. Awesome. I think, uh, we're in this phase right now, Ryan and I are like, there's so much going on that it's, it seems overwhelming, but we know that it once, like if we, if we do this for five-year stretch, we have the stretch of this five-year run where we're, we're, we're pressed. Like we're not spending a lot of downtime, especially during the weeks. Like it's, it's a lot of it is work. We're working. We talked about this in another episode, 80, 90 hour weeks, maybe, maybe even more some weeks, but we know that as long as that goal and that map and that plan is set out and you're kind of adjusting along the way that you're going to look back and be like, wow. And that's what you're the stage you're at now, even after like a year and a half, like you're able to look back, which, which is what I want to talk about next. What is your portfolio now? And it sounds crazy. Did you build this portfolio in the last 18 months? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. This is, yeah. So, <laughs> cause go ahead. How big is your portfolio? Can you just talk about like how you scaled it? Yeah. So we bought those two um, new build townhouses and we're like, all right, like what can we do next? And then we started learning about how you could leverage other people's money to start doing deals. And we learned about syndications, which is people pooling together their resources to buy apartment complexes. So us thinking like, whoa, like we could go out and potentially buy an apartment complex. Like that's a thing. Like people like us could go and do that. And when we started learning about like the operational logistics of it, or it was like, okay, cool. Like I work in operations and healthcare, like how different can it be? And it seemed like, as I started learning about all the skills it took to complete a big deal like that, it was like, okay, like we have the skills and to do this, we can build the systems. And we were generating interest from friends and family who were like, you guys just went out and bought two new build townhomes. Like, tell me what you're doing. And people were interested in what we were doing. So we're like, okay, we talked to some friends and family. We're like, okay, we could probably raise like 200, $250,000 to buy our first apartment deal. Um, we did invest in a coaching program. So for us, that was a, a huge thing of being able to leverage other people's experience. And I had learned or heard about coaching programs on podcasts. I listened to, and, you know, Tiger Woods, the best golfer in the world still has a coach himself, you know, so I always saw a huge value in a coaching program. It wasn't necessarily for the accountability piece. Like my husband and I were showing up every day. So it wasn't that, but it was really the confidence to take that first step of like, okay, we're going to go out and buy an apartment building. Like we're going to do it. And so, um, went through a coaching program, started building the systems and went out and bought, um, three syndication deals within like a nine month period. And that was really because we were grinding on it. We had, they were all from the same broker. So we had a broker who knew what we were after, knew what we were doing as we were doing those capital raises. We really just kind of kept the momentum going. And it was a very busy, like nine months. And then at that same time, I launched my brand, the net worth nurse. And it really was just kind of this snowball effect of like, keep going, keep going. And because we were putting so much effort into it, we started seeing the rewards, not in money. Like, yeah, they were, we were reinvesting everything we got. Every penny we got was reinvested in the business. And so we didn't see any of that, but it, it was generating momentum. So Savannah, what portion of the, I don't know if you, it sounds like you have multiple syndication deals, but what percentage of the syndication deal do you own as a syndicator? I think people were curious to know, like, okay, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm investing, let's say I personally invest $50,000 into this, obviously it depends on the size of the deal, but you're the syndicator, you're putting the deal together, you're going and getting the deal, you're finding it mm -hmm. and you're financing it with other people's money. Well, what percentage do you own and how does that, how does that equity play? Yeah. So pretty standard in the industries, like an 80, 20 split, 70, 30 split with the operators getting the lesser amount. So we own 20% of all three syndication buildings that we own. We own a 12 unit, 24 unit and 18 unit. So we own 20% of those and um, our investors own the other 80%. And syndication is just it's such a powerful, powerful investment strategy, not even just for us as operators, but especially for the passive investors, like the passive investors who have invested $50,000 in my deal. Like 
I'm cashing them out way more than I'm making on my single family homes over in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's really just the power of multifamily and the returns that you get in multifamily deals. And it really became the perfect fit of me going into work or talking to family and friends of being like, this is what we're doing. You can, you can come in with us, be a partner with us and invest passively in these deals. They love it because they don't have to do any work. They're putting up their money. They're getting great returns. We're doing all the communications. We're keeping them in the loops of everything we're doing with the projects. They get to see all the financials. And so they're part owner in the apartment complex. So they get that feel of like, yeah, I'm a real estate investor, but don't have to do any work. And it's super appealing. Like most of the conversations I have with like my nurses and doctors that are investing with me and other people, it's not just healthcare professionals. It's like people that have single family homes and they're just done managing tenants, or they've had an Airbnb and it was just like way too much work and they want to do something super passive. And it provides the perfect opportunity for them to put their money in these investment vehicles, multifamily, so powerful and get great returns. Cool. Can you talk about how you find these deals and then, and kind of like how you specifically put them together? I know you talked about, um, like essentially like a coaching group that you went through and like, you know, you learn the ropes, but this is very quick that you, that you scaled everything. So it's impressive to hear kind of like the whole flow of, of how you put everything together. So yeah, if you could walk us through maybe like a sample deal or something to just let us kind of grasp the full picture on everything from if I was going to invest with you. Yeah, totally. So, um, a, the syndication is a lot different than investing in single family homes or an Airbnb. It's very much a team sport. So you have your brokers involved. We have property managers that are managing our building. Um, we have, um, our investor base communication. So we go out as operators of the deal, my husband and I, we, find the deal. So we usually have a broker who's finding it for us. And that's based on a really good relationship with them. So we're very specific with our brokers of what kind of deals we're looking at, what kind of markets, what returns we're needing to hit for our investors. And our broker knows what we're looking at. So he sends us deals. My husband does all the underwriting. So he plugs it into this massive Excel spreadsheet with like a thousand tabs and it has all these formulas and it gets the returns and he navigates expenses and can really make a accurate projection of what the returns will be on this type of building. He underwrites super conservatively. So it does take him a bunch of deals before he finds one that he likes. But once we get a deal going, um, we go out to the property, we vet it out, make sure we do due diligence is what it's called. So we're going to the property, walking it with our property manager, with the inspector, with the contractor, making sure all the numbers are vetted out. Um, also having the property management there is super important for us because we invest out of state. So our property managers are running our business plan. So that conversation is had before we purchase a property of like, Hey, this is the building we're buying. We're going to need to be raising rents, 200 bucks, you know, over the next year, we're going to need to be renovating for the units. We're going to need to get a new roof on there. We're going to need to get a new uh, landscaper, like talking to our property manager of like, are you going to be able to work with this, with us, you know, and they're a huge key in vetting out the numbers too, in terms of like vacancy rate, repairs and maintenance costs, um, 
tenant base, that sort of stuff. And so um, they're a huge player in the game. So we have them walk the building with us, betting out our numbers again. So then at that point, if the numbers still look good and we like the building, um, getting the financing for it. So that's a whole nother piece of um, working with the lender, a lot of uh, details and numbers that they need and um, stuff from my husband and I. And then uh, at that point, we're raising capital. So we're letting our investor pool who we have relationships with, let them know, like we have a presentation, letting them know, like, this is the deal. This is the opportunity. These are the numbers we're projecting with it. This is the back study that we've done on it. Why we love the market, why we love this deal, what our business strategy is. And then if investors like it, I usually hold like a webinar that they can come to live. If they can't, I send them a recording and then they're like, yes, I want to invest um, here. And then they get excited extensive legal documents. There's a lot of legal documents and syndication deals because you're raising other people's money. Uh, it is a security. So um, once they go through all the legal documents, it's really just wiring the money over. And then at that point, from our, for our investor standpoint, um, we do communications. So I do uh, quarterly communications and uh, hop on a camera and tell them what's been going on with the property. I show them the financials. My husband and I get on, show them that, what we're looking at, if we're on track, if we we're hitting above, and then we send them their checks, direct deposit. And then although we do the quarterly updates, uh, if anything's going on in the pro property, like we have a couple new roofs being done on two of our properties, like I'll take the pictures and then upload them to our investor portal and just say like, oh, hey, look, like here's the roof getting done at this property. Like here's the progress when this is expected um, due date. So I'm constantly communicating to our investors as well. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like a broad level. Yeah, no, that was good. Thank you. I have a couple to play off that. So yeah. one is, well, I'll, I'll give you all three and you can take your pick on which order you want to answer them because they all tie together. So I'm intrigued, like a couple of light bulbs hit off is like, okay, how did you find your property manager? And then how did you pick the state that you invested in? I know you said Atlanta. I'm wondering if these syndications are specifically in Atlanta or in other States. And then you said you typically walk the properties with your property manager. And I'm thinking, well, if you're in Los Angeles, are you flying out to the next place and then doing the walkthrough? Can you just take us through that process. Yeah, definitely. So these, um, all three of our syndication deals are up in Oregon. Uh, we like that market, but there's a lot of research that goes into specific markets. So we look at all sorts of trends, population trends, employment trends, especially during COVID. We were looking at delinquency, vacancy, what was happening, who was working, who was getting subsidized income from the government. Um, so there's a lot that goes into market research. I mean, appreciation, crime reports, and a lot of that we do digging through all these websites with stats and trends and statistics. Um, I mean, you can look on LoopNet, Zillow, Marcus and Millichap, like big places have these stats. And so we dig and do a lot of investigating on our markets. Love Atlanta, Georgia, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Up in Oregon, I have family up there. So we knew that market. And we created a great relationship with a broker who was a young, hungry guy and didn't ask us our experience when we started working with him. It is very hard in the multifamily realm to get brokers to take you seriously if you have zero experience. They are saving their good deals for their vetted out operators that they know can close, who have proven and have a track record. So that's a difficult part when you get started. And we interviewed like with maybe 50 brokers before we found one that started sending us deals. But it's a numbers game. Like you just keep going. You keep under 
underwriting properties until you find one. You keep doing interviews. And that's the same place of how we found our property manager is interviewing people, like having a list of questions of like, are you going to be able to raise rents? Are you going to be able to oversee construction? Are How's your communication with tenants? Like, how do you handle evictions? And it's almost like an interview. And we had that with multiple property managers at each of our buildings. And um, it really kind of comes down if they're all vetting out the same, same amount of experience, same amount of history and properties managed in, in the market that we're at. It kind of comes down to personality at that point, like who we vibe with, because we're going to be working with these people for five years throughout the investment and their boots on the ground. They're the ones interacting with the tenants. They're the ones running the business plan. And my husband, he oversees the asset management on these buildings, but he is in constant communication with our property manager. Um, so that relationship is huge. Um, and like how did you find that property manager actually? So Google, I mean, we're, or bigger pockets looking on bigger pockets under the, their uh, Google Yelp. Um, and then just finding different people and then interviewing them. Got it. Yeah. I, I'm really, really curious about like your pitch to syndicators and like, you know how there's a uh, certain deals that you have to be like a, I forget the word. If it's like a certified accredited, uh, accredited, investor. Yeah, accredited investor. Do you only, yeah. it sounds like you're getting, money from family and friends. So these people don't need to be accredited investors to invest with you. Is that the, is that the story? Correct. So with syndications, um, a 506 C and these are legalities of an SECs and selling securities, um, certain syndication deals are, can be marketed and advertised and they appeal to a different investor. So investors are labeled as accredited or unaccredited, unaccredited and sophisticated. So accredited investor, you have to make a certain amount of income. It's $200,000 every year, 300,000 joint or have a million dollars in liquidity. My husband and I are, we're not accredited investors. So it was very important for us to be able to give these investment opportunities to people who are unaccredited. A lot of my nurses that I have invest with me are not accredited investors. And it's hard when you're wanting to invest in a syndication deal. A lot of them only take accredited investors and that's because they like the ability to advertise. So for us, we um, take sophisticated investors and really the only parameter that has to be met with that is that you have to have a relationship. So um, if anyone is looking to invest in one of our deals, it is uh, having a phone call conversation with them before we even show them any of our deals, um, establishing that relationship, learning about their investing goals, kind of their background with investing as a whole. And then if this is the right fit for them and determining whether or not this is the investment strategy that that would be a good choice for them. And so then if it is a fit, then I keep them in the loop of my communications. I put them on a special email list and then they get first access access to our deals when they come up. Cool. That's very cool. And I, I like how you broke it down the separation between accredited and non-accredited because as the syndicator yourself, you kind of get to decide that. And it's really cool that you're focusing it around people that are not accredited being that you're in their shoes. So yes. I I'm curious if somebody were to, to invest, Ryan, and I always talk about this. We're like, at a certain point, we want to be as, as passive as possible. Real That's estate is a passive game. <laughs> right now, it's not passive for us because we're right. building our own portfolio. It's yes. really not passive at all. What's passive is getting a check every month, but the work that goes into that, it's not passive, right? Yeah. So 
like if somebody invests $50,000 with you, what is a typical, and you don't have to go into full detail, but like what's a typical pitch deck of saying like, you, you know, it sounds like you're paying out cash flow to them. What do you typically tell uh, an investor who's interested in investing with you that they can see as a return? And I know it varies. But. Kind of off that. So like, yeah. let's just say it doesn't have to be 50,000. Let's just, if you could give us a specific deal, like, yeah. Hey, yeah. Maybe it's your most recent deal. And if you're comfortable sharing, just like, what did you pitch to your friends and family? How much would they need to deploy? And then what cash flow are they seeing per month? And then also with that, are they in it for the long haul with you or can they get out if they would like? Like, how's that contract work? Yeah. So um, when you start looking at multifamily syndication deals, the numbers that operators are getting are, are pretty similar. So we're really looking to achieve a two X multiple. So doubling our investors money within a three to five year period. Um, and then with that, we're looking at a 15 to 20% AAR average annualized return aiming for seven to nine, maybe 10% cash flow cash on cash return and really like a 15, 18, maybe 20% IRR internal rate of return. So with my investors, so looking for over a hundred percent return on investment at year five. So really how it works is if someone were to invest $50,000 for us and we break it down into our projected investment. So when you attend one of our deal opportunities, you see exactly how much cash is going to be projected to you on a yearly basis. So $50,000 um, mark, we're looking at, um, depending on the deal, because if it's a high value add deal, you're not generating a lot of cash flow in year one, because you're working to stabilize the building, which is what we're doing most of the time. We're out targeting buildings that are by mismanaged owners, usually elderly owners. They have out of control expenses. Their um, rents are way below market value. And we're going, and there's so much value added in these deals. And we're going and buying these apartment complexes and pretty much flipping them over a five-year period. We're going in there, decreasing expenses. Like for example, on one of our last buildings, the water expenses, when we were looking at the numbers, were like double, triple what they should be. We went and walked that building Every unit we walked into, faucets were leaking, dripping, just out of control. We went in there, implemented a water conservation, new plumbing for that whole building, drastically dropped those expenses. We took care of a roof, some other maintenance items, and now we're increasing rents because they were like 15% below market value. And it adds huge, huge value just by decreasing expenses, increasing income. That's how we're generating returns for our investors. So depending on how heavy the value add deal is from the beginning, the cash flow can't maybe like 1500, maybe 2000 for the first year, but then targeting and it will increase and then average out the lifetime and in the investments about like seven and nine, 10%. Um, so that's kind of the returns that we're projecting. Once an investor gets in the deal, they're in it. I mean, there's, they're legally bound to be in it. I mean, I've had situations where investors have had to pull out and I can replace them um, really because maybe it's, it's someone had a personal issue, you know, stuff going on, they needed the money. And so I was able to get another investor in there. There's a lot of legalities behind it. So we really do tell investors that their money is tied into the deal for five years and that's legally bound in the contract as well. Got it. Got it. Very cool. I, I think it would be cool now knowing how your deals are structured, maybe if you would walk us through whether it's your most lucrative deal or your favorite deal, I know you, you, you've done a lot recently. Um, maybe if you could just break down like, you know, who invested and where you pulled the money from and kind of the, 
top line purchase, what you think it's going to be worth after cash flow, et cetera. If you have a deal in mind that, uh, you'd like to yeah. share. Yeah, definitely. So, um, kind of the, the building I was just talking about with the out of control water expenses. So that's a 24 unit that we purchased up in Oregon. It was, um, 1.8 million, I believe. Um, I raised total about like 600, 700,000 for that. And, um, we're going in implementing a huge water conservation program. Um, we are replacing the roof on that building that had a lot of huge maintenance items. So the previous owner was going out and patching it like every month, spending like a couple grand on it. So we went in, replaced the whole roof. Um, we actually got a credit from the seller for that roof. So that goes into kind of negotiating when you go through the walkthrough because our broker didn't tell us that roof needed to be replaced. And so when we showed up at the building and looked at the roof and our contractor was like, Oh, this roof is bad. You need to have it replaced. We didn't have that calculated into our numbes. And that's like a, $60,000, you know, yeah. bill. So we're like, okay, then this deal is not going to work if, if that's the case. And so we were able to negotiate a credit from the seller so that we could still make the deal work. Um, which goes to show there's just like a lot of wiggle room in real estate. The numbers can be kind of changed according to how you're negotiating what you think you're going to be able to do. So the rents on that building, I think we're like about 15% below market. So we're steadily increasing them every year up in Oregon. You can increase rents, um, 9.1% year over year, which is really aggressive in multifamily but we were able to do that year one. And that was during COVID because they were so below market value. Um, we had everyone stay, we've had to evict one person, um, from that building. So it just kind of goes to show that some of these buildings out there are just poorly, poorly managed by the seller. They had, they rented out a unit to a guy who didn't put down a deposit and not once paid rent. And during the COVID period, and it was fine because, you know, the, the tenants were protected during COVID, but then as some of that stuff got lifted up and when our property management team went in and checked out the building, he had damaged so much stuff and in, in the unit that we were able to evict him based on that. Um, and so that, that unit alone was like 27% below market value. We did a quick renovation on it and now we jacked rents up 27% on that one unit. And that adds huge, huge value to our numbers. So we were able to actually give our investors in first quarter more than we were originally anticipating just because of little things like that. Like that's one unit that can create that much power. Um, going in and kind of like changing out different contracting services, like pest control or landscaping. Um, so working with the property management team, who's really good about kind of looking at those contract services and make sure that they're kind of on par with what is expected in the area. Yeah. And then the raise. So raising money was, uh, from a lot of family and friends referrals. I had a couple repeat investors in this deal. Um, really just kind of talking to people about what we're doing through my brand, the net worth nurse and what I'm doing on social media. A lot of people will, I'm just really transparent with everything we do. I share a lot of numbers on our deals and kind of like my journey and the behind the scenes look. And so people kind of feel like they, you know, get to know me and get to see kind of how I'm running these buildings. And so, um, I, hop on calls with investors and kind of let them know what, what we're working on currently and what deals we have in the pipeline. And then they just kind of like wait on hold or on standby until we get a, a next deal. That's awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. It's really cool. I think, um, just 
hearing how the deal is put together is really interesting to me. And we've interviewed so many investors on here and, and I forget, uh, was it, maybe it was Jarrett from Chicago mentioned that he was buying a 16 unit deal. And I think that the utilities alone pushed his cash flow number changing the utilities or something or redoing the entire utilities pushes cash flow number from like $3,500 a month to like over five grand a month. So there's these little things that maybe investors that have owned it for so long, maybe it's paid off. Maybe they just don't care. There's a lot of reasons why they, they wouldn't have looked at that for a new yeah. investor coming in. That's why we love real estate. Cause it's cyclical. And like, there's always room for more people to come in and improve. Um, so I just think that's a, that's really cool. And I guess the next question, and I'm sure Rye has some too, but like, what are your future goals with building your real estate portfolio? You've done, done this so quickly. Is there a cash flow number that you're looking to, to, to achieve? Do you want to leave your job? I mean, you're the net worth nurse. I imagine you like nursing, you like it, right? Like, so yeah. what, what's next for you and kind of how do you, how do you feel like you're going to get there? Yeah. So we are still doing real estate deals. Um, we did those three within such a quick time period and they all needed a lot of work that we kind of took a break. So our last one closed in May. So it's been about uh, like five, six months since we closed on that. And so we're actively now putting out offers. Um, and then in terms of kind of like what I'm doing with my business, like I net worth nurse to me has just exploded into this whole other component of financial education for nurses that I didn't even realize there was a gap. But as I launched my brand and making it really based around real estate, I realized I was talking to a lot of nurses and getting response and feedback from a lot of nurses who don't even really have any kind of financial understanding or background or grasp of like how to increase their net worth and create wealth. And so, um, I, am now in the process of creating like courses and coaching regarding around like financial, personal finances, um, career growth and real estate, and kind of using my platform to really educate and empower nurses. So that's really what I'm working on full-time. I've brought on a couple, uh, two other nurses to help build it with me. And I actually just left my job last oh, week wow. of my full-time job. <laughs> so I'm going to be working per diem as a nurse, but, um, I just am really going to be full-time building net worth nurse into a, um, business. Really cool. We are about to go down the path of courses and eBooks because we get a lot of people that kind of, you mentioned before the show that, you know, people resonate with our brand. And I feel like being, I'm going to be 30 in like a day. One so I, always day. Say like, <laughs> I literally, we literally always like, Oh, uh, the late twenties, early thirties. It's like, now nah, we're okay. We're in early thirties now. So like, there's so many people that are in our shoes that are we, we make a good W2 income, but now we're like, there's so many avenues and doors that have opened up just by deploying that into assets that make money for us. And it's like this expansion. I think people are interested in that. So the courses are really cool. I think, especially you have such a niche, the people that you are reaching out to are they're making money. Right. And mm -hmm. then I know people personally that have 50, hundred, $150,000 sitting in a savings account, or, or even if it's in a retirement account and it's like, that's fine if you're ultra conservative and you don't, and you just want to work for the next 40 years, but we see it differently. It sounds like clearly you do, but specifically with your real estate portfolio, is there a number that you want to get to? Like, is there a, is there a, are you just, do you love it enough to just 
that you're just continuing to like, or like financial freedom, right? Like, is there a number you're like, Hey, once I get there, I'm good. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, the goal is to ultimately be passive one day, right? Like my goal is to put all this capital into passive deals where I'm just sitting back, not doing a lot of work, but I love it so much right now that it's hard to even think about like, okay, once I get this number, I'm going to back off. Like definitely taking the step back from my full-time W2 has been huge, huge for me because I was literally working two full-time jobs for the last like 18 months. And I was hitting a breaking point, you know, personally of like being able to keep up with that type of, you know, just lifestyle. So, um, that alone has now, I feel like, okay, wow, all the work, like I'm already seeing the fruits of my labor of like, I have been grinding for the last year, year and a half, putting everything I can into this. And like, cool. I'm able to walk away from a hiring salary at the hospital to sit and focus on this full time. And like, yeah, I'm still, I'm actually pulling longer days. Now this is my first official working from home week. And I'm pulling like, you know, 10, 12 hour days, but just because I just love it so much. And there's just so much content to be produced. But, um, I mean, yeah, the goal is like just the flexibility of being able to work from for wherever I want to be able to stop what I'm doing and go pick up my kids and take a day off and take them to the zoo all day. You know, that's the flexibility and the freedom that I want. And so I'm, I'm pretty much there, but we still love real estate and we're going to continue to grow and, and pursue everything that we're doing with that. So it's not a specific number for us. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Cool. So you seem to have quite a a wealth of knowledge and like in the topic and investing in real estate, but I'm sure that didn't, you know, it doesn't come overnight, right? It's been a year and a half in the making, probably even longer. Can you walk us through or our listeners through, they're always asking for, Hey, where can I start? Or where, what resources should I use? And I know there's probably a million books, million like websites and things. And obviously like your social is, is where we'll point people to as well, but just where, what can people pick up or lean to and, and maybe kind of peel back some of the layers that you've, you know, kind of gone through and, and, and use as resources that might help them. Yeah. Podcasts, podcasts were huge for me. I was on maternity leave binging those for hours. Um, I I like would go on walks. I I listen to podcasts on two times speed. Like I'm just digesting as much information as I can. And, um, those, those podcasts for me were like, so I, for real estate people, right? Like bigger pockets is like the go-to starting point for real estate. And that show like not only tells you about all the different strategies in real estate, but the people on there are from all walks of life, like all different backgrounds, like, and they're making it work, you know? And so that was the motivation that I needed. I listened to those stories and I would just be at the end of the episodes. I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. If this person's out there doing it, I'm going to go and do it. And so then it was like, all right, well, I, I liked the birth strategy. What do I need to do? Oh, I went and bought a burr book. I went and looked up and started looking at blogs, listening to stories, started networking with people. Like, and then we switched from that strategy and, you know, we bought our turnkey and now we're in the multifamily and we're pretty much at this point trying to stay in our lane. I know like the shiny objects of like Airbnb cash flow right now is like, okay, pulling me this way, but I'm like, okay, no multifamily syndications. That's where I'm at. And so it's really consuming really specialized knowledge. I mean, now the books that I read are multifamily investing, syndications, creating funds, capital raising, that sort of stuff. So, um, social media is so powerful. I went out there and I started following people who are at a place where I want to be and doing things that appeal to me in a way that appeals to me. Um, 
the crazy thing is like, there's so many people out there doing what I'm doing, syndicating deals, same apartment type complexes with the same returns. But my personality appeals to different people than someone else who's doing the same exact thing. And so I always tell people like, go out there and just be your most authentic, genuine self. And you're going to attract the people that you want to be doing business with, whether it's partners in your deals or seeking advice with or counseling or just lessons learned. And so um, getting out there and networking, that was really big, especially because when we were doing the single family route, we, that's something you can kind of do on your own. Like it's pretty, you know, you, you know what you need to do. You can do it, but the syndication route, it's very much a team sport. You need to be networking. And so I made a goal when I launched my brand, the network nurse to be on a hundred podcasts in a year. And I'm at like 93 or something right now. Wow, and I, been, we could have been your hundred. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got someone else nailed down for my hundred, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it was really like, I want to go and share my story to give back to people of like, cool. She was a new mom on maternity leave. She's working full time, two kids, like, and she's making this work. And like, I hope to inspire and motivate other people to do that as well. So connection. first of all, I love your story. I think it's, it's incredible. Uh, really quick. I wanted to add something in. So we look at this whole game of getting into something that you're passionate about that, that you can help build your wealth as like this funnel. Right. And so we've, we've learned this in a short period of time of like putting your eggs in this funnel sort of basket. And then there's all these drips that come out of, well, what do I like this over here? Uh, no, I like this aspect about this sort of investing, but maybe I don't like long-term rentals as much as I like short-term rentals, or maybe I don't like you know, investing in single family as much as I like syndications or multifamily. So you talking about diving in at that next level, once you get started, then you can just figure out what you're going to do. We listen to bigger pockets. And, and a lot of times the advice comes out is like, just get started. It doesn't really matter what you do, just start. And then yeah. you'll get directed in the, in the next direction, which leads me to my question. There's a lot of real estate investors out there that they're like, okay, I got to buy a single family and then I got to buy a duplex. And then I got to keep buying duplexes or I got to keep I got to buy, you know, a two unit, a four unit, but you scaled quickly. You bought two single families and then you scaled quickly. Do you recommend people that are just getting started to like think bigger or does it totally depend on, you know, their tolerance level and everything? Cause we're at a point in our investing journey where we have another duplex sort of a commercial unit slash duplex that's on the horizon for us. And we're going to go through with this deal. But then after that, it's like this open canvas is like, should, should we really even be looking for duplexes now? Like, it takes all this money and all this effort and all this time and energy to get five, six, seven hundred dollars a month in cash flow, which is great. But like you just invested in one single deal and it's one point eight million dollars and you're bringing all this return for you and the investors that invest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would definitely. So if that's at a point where you're at, I would get maybe clear on where you want to be and what investment strategy is going to get you there. So for us, my husband and I, we were like kind of playing the long-term game of like, we're chilling. We got good jobs. Like we're down to just kind of grow and accumulate this over like a five-year period. And then we know at that five-year period, it's going to snowball and be, you know, crazy returns, especially for the syndication route. Cause that's when people are cashing you out at five years. And that's when it kind of starts to roll. I mean, the Airbnb of like the high cash flow now 
yeah, like that's super appealing, but it's a different skill set. So I'd also take a step back and listen, think about like what skill set you can bring and what you truly like. Like some people love flipping and some people love the hospitality aspect of Airbnb. I mean, it's hardly a real estate business. It is all hospitality business. Right. And some people are good at that and like that. And, um, you know, the long, the long-term rental route, I definitely wouldn't really still steer people in that direction now, just based on my experience with it. And like the power that is seen in multifamily syndications of better returns and being super passive. But, um, I think it's good. Like, yes, definitely get started, but listening to something like bigger pockets, listening to all the different strategies and something will appeal to you, or you'll have a skill set that you think can apply to that specific strategy of like multifamily, like, cool. I love operations. I love working in teams. I know people who I could kind of build this with type thing. And so, um, I think being a little bit strategic about where you want to go is helpful. And then, I mean, I always tell people to look at the returns. Like if you're looking at different investments, start with the returns and the numbers will make the decision for you. You know, like if you're, if you're toggling between like a long-term investment or a short-term investment, like look at the numbers, like what returns are they expected to bring? Like, and, and that's going to be clear for you of like what direction you need to go. Perfect. Now I think we're ready for the core four. Core so four. You want to start them off? Bro? Yeah, absolutely. So core four is second to last segment of the show. We ask um, the four same questions to each guest just to get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. Um, first one, we'll keep it easy for you. What is your favorite investing or business book that you read? Let's say in the last year and a half, that's kind of helped propel your business and elevate you. Um, definitely Gary Vanderchuk's book. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on Crushing it. it. Crushing it. Yes. Yeah. Crushing it. So for me, when I launched my brand, that was something that was like very nerve wracking for me. It was putting myself in a very vulnerable position. I didn't like it, but after reading that book, it was like, wow, there's so much power in just doing like living your best life and, you know, posting about it. And then you'll generate this like organic kind of following in business. And that book like really was eye-opening for me in that perspective. I'm smiling, Savannah, because I didn't re actually read the book. I think Jake might have our producer. I don't know. Um, I haven't read, read it. it. But we did exactly, like we're doing exactly what was, like we just, okay, we love talking about real estate investing and fin personal finance and financial independence. We're going to make a podcast, start this brand. And it's, you know, I like to think it's bringing value to other people. It's starting to, it's starting to grow. And it's like being, we're, I feel like we're, if there's one thing that the weekly juices, it's just us being super authentic about it. Yes. I talk about our mistakes all the time. I said, a, 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 I commented on somebody's um, uh, Instagram page today about, they're talking about, Oh, if you invested in Bitcoin so many years ago, like, don't worry about it. Cause you can't change the past. And I was like, yeah, well I did. And then I sold it when it was like super low. So like just us talking about being authentic, talking about our mistakes and failures and, and, and what we're doing well. I totally agree with that. I think it's a, a book that I definitely want to read by Gary Vee. So yes. thanks for bringing that up. Um, I was just number totally two on my soapbox there. Anyway, um, <laughs> question number two, what's the biggest mistake that you have made in your investing career and how do you think you've learned from it? Uh, we made a mistake early on in one of the apartment deals that we bought that we were going with a contractor who said he'd be able to build out a storage unit into a studio space. And he said it was good. He had an engineer look at it. They said it was good. Our property manager said it was good. And we had built the whole business plan based around being able to convert that storage space to a unit. And when it 
came time to pull the permits, we found out we couldn't do it. And so for us, it was like, we felt like we had done everything right to vet that out and prevent it from happening. And it was either like, all right, cool. We can play the blame game or we suck it up and figure out what we're going to do next. And it was very much of like, all right, let it soak in for a minute and pivot. And like, how do we make the most of this? How are we going to generate extra income? And it really pushed us to get super creative of how to like overcome that obstacle. That's really good advice. Cause if you do not want to get into a real estate investing, if you think everything is going to go smoothly, no, it just straight up. And it's a really good market to get into real estate investing. Like I, we started, I started buying property three years ago and like, I've seen nothing but great returns. Right. So I can imagine if there's a downturn, like how willing are you to hold? Like how, how willing are you to fight through it? And for a situation like that, just to have perseverance to get through it is you're going to have to do that if you get into real estate investing. And we've seen it even not at that level, but at much smaller scale. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Number three is if you had an additional $50,000 of discretionary income, how would you utilize it? Whether that be personal life investing, um, just picture like a pie chart, like how would you slice that up? Oh, an extra 50 K. I feel like at this point, like majority of it would go towards my investing, if not all of it. Cause that's just where I'm at right now. I'm like very much trying to, we try to maintain our lifestyle, um, and not let it grow with the more money you make, you know, live below your means. Um, lifestyle so that our, creep, yeah. 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 Don't let that happen. And so, uh, the majority of it would be probably reinvested, but maybe take like a little couple thousand dollar vacay somewhere. Like that's, maybe. yeah, it's really funny. Cause the, once you get into investing, you start to get addicted to it. And then you just like, it ends up being any dollar that you get. You're like, Ooh, I should probably invest this. <laughs> when you yeah. say invest though, like, is it, you know, are you going to pump it into a syndication deal? Would it be family? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of a philosophical question for our last one. Um, and we're, we like to, to think a lot about what we're doing and not just go through the motions in life. So the question is, what do you want your legacy to be? Like what Savannah, why do you get up and why do you do this every day? What's your why behind this passionate pursuit of financial independence in, in real estate? Yeah, I just, I really just try and be kind in everything that I'm doing and just leave like a positive impact on everyone I talk to, like either encouragement or uplifting. Like, I just think there's so much negativity in the world that I make it a point if I'm having meetings with people or just interactions with someone to just be a positive light to not bring the heaviness into it. So if that's something I could leave behind, that would be it. There's somebody sitting at a cubicle or driving home from work right now on their hour commute thinking, damn, I just left a really negative environment and I don't want to be in that anymore. Hopefully your words are helping them try to escape that. Cause I, I, uh, I think it's a good sentiment. So yeah, I absolutely love that. Great, great answer. And it was genuine. Um, yeah, totally. Last drop, last drop. Last segment of the show is uh, called The Last Drop. No pun intended. Um, actually, heavy pun yeah, intended. Yeah, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but this question is essentially, knowing what you know now, what would you go back, what advice would you give if you could go back to maybe like 18, 19-year-old Savannah and say, hey, here's what I know now. Here's what you should do moving forward. Oh, my gosh. I would say 
19 year old Savannah. Oh man. Um, it can be any age really. <laughs> yeah. We don't know how old you are now. So yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't tell me that was like five years ago. Cause <laughs> oh, no, I'm, cause I'm of how much you've done the last two years. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I'm 31, uh, 19. I was heavy in a sorority and partying and living out my college days to its fullest extent. So probably, <laughs> probably senior year, there you go. <laughs> senior year, Savannah, as she's like about to go into 22 the real world. Yeah. 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 Um, I would say to just not feel so heavy with things. I think I've, I've created a lot of grit in my life by overcoming hard circumstances. And even now, like just things can become heavy and it's like, it doesn't need to be like, you can create happiness in any moment of your life, no matter where you're at. Like it's not assigned to a specific goal or a destination. Like happiness is right now. So finding gratitude and just that, that level of fulfillment in, in every day is, is super important to me. And something that I've definitely started practicing since I've had kids because they are stressful as hell and will suck everything out of you. But, um, just really being That's in the present control right there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have kids? No, not yet. No, okay. Yet. Yeah. No, okay. I, that's, that was a great answer. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And just like, we, put a lot of stress on ourselves to do, Hey, like we need to, we need to release a podcast episode this week. We yeah. have to invest in more real estate. We have to, our Instagram has to be perfect. We need to generate more money. We have to make more money in our W2s. Like I have to do this on this weekend. And like, you just like, I don't know how to explain it, but like we, we add more stress to our lives by like making things stressful. Like there's tasks, but the weight you put on top of them is what really mental brings weight. you down. It's like yeah. a mental weight. It's almost like a cloud above you where it's like, you don't need to stress yourself out that much. Right. And like finding gratitude in little things, like just even sitting around with family when you're like, Oh man, like I could be, I could be moving the business forward. It's like, dude, just take a chill pill. Like there's, you don't know if the next day's promise. And like, there's a lot of things that I just, I, I, that truly hit me because the other day I was, I was kind of like swirling through all the things we have going around. I'm like, it's not that deep. Like it is, right. but it's not, it's not life or death. Like the, you know, some life could change in an instant. So just kind of be thankful for what you have. And, and even if it is the little things, right. Those are the, those are things that you'll probably miss the most later down. I feel like the entrepreneur spirit is a, like a blessing and a curse, right? Like, you know, you can achieve more, but then it's like, you could sit like, exactly. Like I'll be with my kids and thinking about like, Oh, I want to do this with my business or I got, I get these ideas and I want to send out this email and do this. And then it's like, Whoa, I just need to like calm down. Like I don't need to be working 24 hours a day, even though, but it's the entrepreneur in us, you know, that just mm -hmm. drives us like the achievement and like wanting more, you know, it's not a bad thing, but it is, it's a constant reminder to be in the present moment for me. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. It is a blessing and a curse because at the end, that's why we ask you what your why is. Cause like you have to sometimes, rem, I have to remind myself why I'm doing all this. If, if I just work, if I just build this business and try to continue and continue and continue, it's like, uh, I'm not even going to enjoy right. what I've built. Like it's, yep. there's no point. You might as well have done nothing almost <laughs> like, so it's, it's, it's a balance, but uh, Savannah, it was really, really a pleasure to interview you. You've, uh, I am shocked how much you've been able to accomplish in the past year and a half. So it's, it's really, uh, inspiring. And I think, uh, if people want to learn more about you, maybe they want to buy your course that you're talking about bringing out or just follow you or get to know you. What's the best way that people can reach out and, uh, and connect. Yeah, uh, definitely. So net worth nurse, uh, on, our, on all social media handles. So Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, 
um, the net worth nurse for my website. I have all my goodies on there. I love connecting with people. If you're interested in real estate, wanting to get started, please reach out to me. I'd love to connect. Perfect. Love it. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you guys. 